Welcome to Fertile Minds Radio. Here you'll find wisdom for your fertility journey and beyond, chosen specifically to help you trust your body and elevate your spirit so you can enjoy the process. Join us and see what a fertile mind feels like. Now your host, Hilary Talbot Rowland. Hello and welcome back to Fertile Minds Radio. I'm your host, Hilary Talbot Rowland, and I am a doctor of oriental medicine, certified meditation teacher, and board certified reproductive specialist. And I practice at the Art of Acupuncture in beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida. So if you've listened before, then you know it is my commitment to bring you all of the information that your doctor won't tell you around fertility and pregnancy and birth. And this episode is no different. Uh, Today it's going to be just me. And I am actually here to start kind of opening this chapter on herbs. And this episode is basically all about can herbs help you get pregnant and stay pregnant and have a healthy child? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Um, I know that herbs can be kind of scary for a gal that is steeped in uh, Western society and used to just getting a prescription when something goes wrong, but I think that you'll find the more that you learn about them, they're way less scary, especially when you compare them to maybe IVF drugs. And these are certainly things that are typically not used together, so if you are using IVF drugs, then This episode could help you get ready for that, or it could help you detox afterwards from that. But of course, um, we don't want to use them together unless it's something that is being prescribed by a super skilled herbalist. And of course, with the permission of your reproductive endocrinologist. I'm big on integrative medicine, and I think that every practitioner involved in your care should know what's going on. So I know that's scary to have these conversations, but I think that that is better for you in the end. So if you are on an IVF cycle, or you're getting ready for one, and you're thinking about using herbs, definitely got to talk to your doctor and your herbalist or acupuncturist and get everybody on the same page. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox on that one. So today I want to just start to give you a little glimpse of how I use herbs in my practice and what some of my favorites are and kind of the difference between Chinese herbs, Ayurvedic herbs, Western herbs, um, and why sometimes we prescribe one alone. And a lot of times you get this formula that maybe has anywhere from four to 15 herbs in it and, and why that is. And I think that this can help you to see why it requires somebody that has some expertise in this area, as well as helping to make you feel a little bit more comfortable on not only about taking them, um, but where to get them as well and where to find that practitioner. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer, then I'm also going to point you to some resources too if you want to dive really deep down the rabbit hole of what all these individual herbs do if you're confident in that. So there's a little something for everybody today, okay? So herbs are amazing tools to treat infertility, and they have been used by most cultures on this planet to enhance fertility for thousands and thousands of years. There is a ton of historical evidence that the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Chinese, Indian cultures, both on the continent of India and as well as Native Americans, all use them in this fashion. Now, my traditional Chinese medicine teachers, or what you'll hear me say TCM throughout this episode, some of them would cringe or get a little twitchy to hear me describe using herbs 
just for fertility. And this is why. The philosophy in TCM when using herbs is not to just treat one thing or one symptom like is commonly said in social media and the literature. It's actually to rebalance the entire body by rebalancing systems. And their philosophy and my philosophy is that if you balance the body out, it'll get pregnant on its own. Now, I know there are some of you sitting there thinking like, no way, I'm too far gone. I have all of these things wrong. That's actually really common after I do an intake with women and I'm asking them all these questions because we diagnose by what is called patterns of disharmony. And so certain symptoms that may seem completely unrelated to you make perfect sense to us as to how that system is not only out of balance, but how far gone it is. And it's really common for a woman to finish up after talking for 60 minutes and look at me and be like, oh my God, I'm a mess because they've never put all of these symptoms out there on the table because we're so used to going to specialists and, you know, you go to the gynecologist and you only talk about your uterus and your ovaries, <laughs> you know, or you go to an ENT and you're only talking about being sick, you know, and your general practitioner, well, a lot of times they get overwhelmed and they're sending you off to specialists and they're the ones that should be hearing it all. So we're not really accustomed to talking about everything. But that's where the beauty of using a system like TCM comes in because it can treat so many things at once. And that's why we end up sometimes with these really complex formulas that have 10, 12, maybe even 15 herbs in them at one time. Now that might sound a little overwhelming and complex. It's really not. I'm going to kind of show you a little bit of the eight pillars, which is one way in which we diagnose. And this is really simple. If there's heat in the body, cool it down. If there's cold, warm it up. If there's dryness somewhere in the body, hunt it down, find the herb that moistens that part of the body and use it. If there's dampness somewhere, dry it up and figure out how it got that way. If there's deficiency, supplement it. If there's excess, drain it, right? Very, very simple, but Sometimes when you take things back to this simple place, it allows you to treat really complex things all at once. And that's what I do every single day. And it's really awesome. So I'm here to kind of teach you a little bit more about it. So the difference between Western Ayurvedic and Chinese herbs, which I use all three of them, by the way, in my practice, my pharmacy has tons and tons of jars and bottles and um, you know, my kids jokingly say like, oh, it's the Harry Potter pharmacy because it's got all these sticks and twigs, which it does. Um, but they're all come from a little bit of a different of a background in terms of how they're used. So Western herbalism is fantastic. I mean, it's it takes a lot of the herbs that grow here in our country in the United States, and it uses them to treat all kinds of things, just like the other two modalities. Western herbalists tend to use less herbs together, and a lot of times they'll use singles, kind of like an eye for an eye treatment. And that I think is just part of this, the society. Like we're used to, oh, if you have this, you take this prescription, right? And while that's great, and sometimes we need to differentiate and we need to figure out, you know, not all insomnia is the same insomnia. So for instance, one person might have trouble falling asleep. Another person might have trouble staying asleep. Um, another person might get woken up by pain or by sweating. 
And those are very different patterns. So there isn't just one herb to make you go to sleep, right? And so that's why you need somebody that is really versed in the nuances of what these herbs do. Now, Western herbalism, or sometimes referred to as eclectic medicine, is a branch of American medicine, um, which made use of botanical remedies along with other substances and physical therapy practices and was really popularized in the later half of the 19th and first half of the 20th centuries. And what is really heartbreaking is that so much of this information was lost because a lot of it came from Native American Indian tribes that are no more. And then a lot of your eclectics were actually accused of being witches and hung and burned at the stake and all of their books and information went with them. So it's really kind of a shame that, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, um, historical references and there you know there are some really great individuals who have hung on to a lot of this information and and have um, crazy crazy libraries full of it which I would totally nerd out in Um, but it's not very commonplace to find that now TCM traditional Chinese medicine very old medicine been using herbs for close to 5,000 years you know herbs are very much a part of the culture you know a lot of your lay people in China cook with herbs they understand how to use many of them you know especially for simple things like colds and flus and stress and um, just feeling run down this is it's quite common for someone to go to the market and not only buy vegetables but buy herbs and incorporate those in their recipes now the systems of TCM aren't necessarily superior or better than Ayurvedic and eclectic medicine. But what the Chinese did do is they were brilliant at protecting their information, even through all their dynasty changes and warring. Um, and it's, it's even been suggested that there's something like 30 to 40% of the ancient texts that have yet to even be translated into other languages besides ancient medical pinyin. Um, so they were very protective of not only their ancient texts, but then when they did start to write things down, because it used to be very much an oral lineage because it was very competitive. You were chosen to be the, the next acupuncturist or herbalist in your family, and you were bestowed upon these gifts of, of the knowledge. But then once they started writing this down and really becoming um, kind of systemizing it, uh, they became very protective over their information. So this is why I actually use um, TCM diagnostics, even when I'm using Western herbs and um, Ayurvedic herbs, I kind of take their properties and I look at these herbs and I'm like, okay, will they heat the body up? Will they cool it down? Will they, you know, nourish yin or fluid of the body? Or will they give energy or yang to the person? And I use it in my diagnosis in that way. Now, occasionally I get a little nerdy and I side with the Western herbalists and I start to look at like, does it contain flavonoids or glycosides or terpenoids? And how would I want this to work in this person's body? You know, if I really um, have some complex diagnoses from a Western point, I'll use that sometimes, but not often. Um, And then the Ayurvedic herbs are amazing. Vedic medicine uses what they call diagnosis of doshas. Okay, so doshas are derived from their concept of the five elements, which is a little bit different than Chinese medicine five elements, but similar. 
Um, and they're, the doshas are known as mind-body types, okay? And they're unique blends of physical, emotional, and mental characteristics. And in Ayurveda, health is defined as the dynamic state of balance between mind, body, and environment. You can achieve and maintain a vibrant and joyful state of health by identifying your mind-body type and creating a lifestyle that supports your unique nature. So really taking into consideration lifestyle and this type of medicine uses food a lot. They use food and herbs in the same way to balance the doshas. So vata, pitta, kapha, um, vata being very airy, pitta being very spicy, very fiery, and kapha being, you know, very earthy and sturdy, and sometimes a, a little too sturdy, a little, a little too damp. You know, we need that nudge off the couch. I am a full-fledged kapa with a little bit of pitta. So, you know, sometimes I have to be prodded off the couch, but then when I do, watch out because my pitta tornado mind takes over. So if you want to know more, if you really kind of been interested in um, this type of medicine, Ayurveda, I encourage you to go to the Chopra website from Deepak Chopra and you can actually take a quiz and it will tell you kind of the the gist of which dosha you are and it'll even give you some lifestyle and um, foods that you can use and then you know of course if you want to seek out somebody that is trained in this type of medicine to use herbs and they have references for that as well and there will um, be an, a link in the show notes which you can find at ladypotions.com backslash episode three uh, to where you can go dial in directly into this quiz okay so back to tcm my favorites right why is it my favorite because the diagnostics are so simple and it can treat the unexplainable or the untreatable by Western medicine. That's my favorite kind of case. When somebody comes to me and they're like, I have unexplained infertility, or they don't know what's wrong with me. My symptoms don't make sense. A lot of times those make a lot of sense to me. So that's why that diagnostic system is my go-to. Okay, so if you're using them by yourself, right? If you're using herbs by yourself, how do you know whether you should use a single or a formula? right? It's kind of daunting. Um, and you might think, oh, well, I'll just use one herb, which there are a few herbs that I'm going to go over that are pretty mighty in their standalone capacity. Um, but that's not always the case. And in fact, that's usually the rarity. And the reason is, is that plants have all these components to them, right? And we have to balance them out just because they're all natural doesn't mean that there aren't bad side effects that can happen, especially when you take on the Western mentality of, we'll just add more, take a higher dose, right? Oftentimes you need less of a really powerful herb. So I like to use formulas typically that have around six to 10 single herbs in them that really balance them out. Um, I feel like it's, it's kind of the difference between going to the symphony and listening to a solo. Well, it might be great for one thing. I can address so many things at once. But I'm going to talk about uh, one of my one of my favorite herbs, probably, and one of the herbs that I think you see advertised the most and used widely in infertility, which is Vitex. It's also known as Chas Tree, and in Chinese medicine, it's Meng Jingza. Um, Chas Tree is pretty cool. 
we used to think that it just attached to the progesterone receptors in the body and made uh, more progesterone, but it actually does quite a bit more than that. It's been associated in studies with supporting breast comfort, positive mood during the menstrual cycle, so getting rid of crazy PMS. Um, It's also been shown to make a healthy menstrual luteal phase in a woman. So that phase of your cycle from just after you ovulate until you start your period. So when somebody comes to me and they have, you know, a, a longer cycle, like 32, 35 days, I usually kind of zero in on the luteal phase and I, and I'm thinking, okay, they don't have enough yang chi to get things going. And, and I'll support that by figuring out where they're ovulating in their cycle, but it doesn't just support progesterone, even though it can correct progesterone deficiencies. And that's what I use it for in my clinic all the time. Here's how it actually works. It acts on the hypothalamus in the brain, which then signals the pituitary to increase the production of LH or luteinizing hormone, while it mildly inhibits FSH release, resulting in an indirect increase in the levels of progesterone in proportion to estrogen. It can also lower the release of prolactin, which is important because high levels of prolactin can inhibit ovulation in someone. And one of the main symptom signs that you can know if you are experiencing high prolactin and go have a super cheap, easy peasy test, blood test for it, is when you actually have discharge from your nipples for no reason. And that's like one of these crazy symptoms that no woman wants to talk about, right? But it actually happens, especially um, in what we call liver chi stagnation patterns, where a woman is super, super stressed and it's starting to take a toll on the endocrine system. That's something that can be easily addressed. And again, super easy Western blood test just to see. So Vitex, super great at treating low progesterone. In fact, you know, if you use it for about three cycles in a woman um, prior to getting pregnant, where there's been a miscarriage that's been thought to because she didn't have enough progesterone to hold that pregnancy, oftentimes you can correct that enough for her to hold it her own or for then the supplement of progesterone inserts to help hold the pregnancy. And there's a lot of studies that point to progesterone inserts actually not helping unless the imbalance has been mostly corrected in the cycle before getting pregnant. Okay, so when should you not take Vitex? Certainly, like I said, if you are on IVF drugs or you're on uh, hormone therapy or oral contraceptives um, or dopamine blocking drugs, it's thought to interfere with those. So those are times when you don't wanna take it, okay? If you're coming off the pill, you don't want to start Vitex right away. When you first come off the pill, you want your pituitary and your ovaries to try and start communicating with each other for the first time by itself, right? They haven't been talking for a long time when you've had birth control, and and we want them to try and, like, slowly get to know each other first before all of a sudden you're pumping out eggs. So give it a cycle or two if you're coming off birth control before you just start using herbs, especially Vitex, okay? And how will you know if it's working? Usually it works within the first three to six months. I mean, I would say 
within one to two menstrual cycles, you should see cycle regularity. You should see uh, decreased signs of PMS. Um, you know, all, all of those kind of symptoms, you should see kind of more cervical mucus maybe even for you. Um, and if your cycle goes irregular on it, especially after two cycles, it's not the right herb for you when you should get off it. There's kind of a joke in herbalism that we call it chase berry because so many people think that it will cure so much and it won't. It does do a lot. Uh, one of the things too that you might want to consider is that it can be really great um, for treating PCOS except when you already have really high luteinizing hormone or LH levels, okay? In some types of PCOS, that's already high and the Vitex is gonna raise it. However, if your LH is really not that high and you do have a lot of the signs of androgen excess, so, you know, hair growing in the wrong places or just being really hairy in general, Vitex can improve those symptoms quite a bit and help to um, regulate those hormones in that way. Okay, like I said, I could do an episode every single day on all of these herbs on each one. I just love them. So in the fashion of time, we're going to keep on going. Some of my other favorites, nettles. I use nettles all the time to build blood. Okay, so there's this concept of blood deficiency in Chinese medicine. And it's not necessarily that you're anemic, although if you do steep nettles for 20 minutes, which is quite a long time to steep a tea by most of our standards, not if you're an herbalist, but if you're just making tea, you would think that would oversteep it. But when you steep it that long, you actually get a lot of the, um, the iron and the minerals extracted out of it. And so it can help anemia, but if it's just the blood deficiency, like if a Chinese medicine practitioner were to take your pulse and say, oh, it's very thin, you have blood deficiency, then this is a great thing that I, I will prescribe all the time because you can get it very easily. You can drink it as a tea um, or you can even take it in freeze-dried capsules. Um, one of my favorite uses is for someone that I feel like was maybe really blood deficient. Maybe they had um, a couple miscarriages where they, you know, they lost a lot of blood or they had a couple pregnancies back to back or a history of vegetarianism, which is not a bad thing, but sometimes you do end up blood deficient if you're not food combining properly. Um, and they get pregnant right away. Then they all of a sudden they feel amazing because during pregnancy, your blood volume doubles to make that placenta. That's why you're so out of breath. It's what you're feeling when you can't climb that flight of stairs and you're only eight weeks pregnant um, without being out of breath. You're feeling your body laying down all those blood vessels. Well, when you give birth, a lot of that leaves with the placenta, right? Add to that, if you lose a lot of blood, you know, you tear or you have, you know, a, a surgery like cesarean, um, then you're even worse than when you started in terms of blood deficiency. And I see blood deficiency set up my patients for postpartum depression all the time and anxiety because there's not enough blood circulating through the body to actually nourish the nerves and calm the mind. So this is a safe herb to take throughout pregnancy, um, prior to, and then while you're breastfeeding to keep the blood supple and moist and moving throughout the body. And again, super easy to come by. Let's talk about painful periods. Okay. This is another thing that if you regulate the menstrual cycle, then oftentimes implantation happens a little bit easier and pregnancy can happen easier. Um, one of my favorite 
formulas for that is Guizhou Fulingwan or Cinnamon Emporia decoction. And it uses cinnamon bark and uh, poria bark along with about eight other herbs. And it really regulates and breaks up the tissue in the uterus so that you can have a enjoyable experience while you're menstruating. I've also used it with great success in stubborn ovarian cysts in women. Um, It's one of the most classic, often used formulas in our pharmacy. I would say the second, probably the most used herbal formula in our pharmacy when it comes to infertility and women's health is Zhao Yaosan, or also known as free and easy wander. So you can kind of decipher by that translation what this does, right? It's amazing for PMS, okay, or luteal phase dysfunction, um, or what we call liver qi stagnation in Chinese medicine. And Zhao Yaosan is a chai hu based formula. There's kind of this saying that all infertility starts with liver qi stagnation. It may not be the predominant pattern when you're seeing the woman, but if I describe liver chi stagnation, you'll you probably agree with me that you had this at some point. And a lot of my women have it because the main cause of it is stress. Okay, so we in Chinese medicine, we think of the liver as the general, right? And he's guiding the troops. He's telling you when to either attack or retreat. And when it gets really stagnated, he blows up and he attacks, <laughs> maybe when he shouldn't, right? And so this is kind of like if you've ever had really super irritable PMS. You'll blow, you'll have like hypochondrial pain, which hypochondria just means under the rib, does not mean that you have crazy symptoms that nobody knows. That is the correct definition of that. So that feeling like you just wanna rip your bra off when you come home, that's classic liver cheese stagnation. Or when you get those knots between your scapula and your upper back that you just cannot rub out, that's where you're holding your stress. And free and easy wonder is amazing for treating that type of presentation. Now we might tweak it a little bit and we might add some heat clearing herbs to it. If there's a lot of, of heat showing in the individual when we take their pulse and tongue or on their symptoms, like you're sweating at night the entire week before your period, or you're not just angry, you've, you've found some rage, right? Uh, then we need to cool you down at the same time as we move liver chi. One of my favorite herbs by itself to help detoxify a body. So, you know, maybe if you're getting ready for another IVF cycle or you're getting ready to conceive naturally on your own and there's been a lot of fun living in between trying with some uh, alcohol and poor food choices, um, I like milk thistle and B complex because when we drink too much alcohol, we actually deplete B12. So those two in conjunction um, every night can help the liver do its job of detoxifying and helping your body to be in as clean a state as possible before you conceive. For building the uterine lining, uh, traditional formula of Sibutong, which is also known as four substances and has some blood building herbs, is a common one that we use and then of course tweak for each individual or red raspberry leaf. Now this is a tea I think you can buy in your local grocery store these days. It's fabulous at building and tonifying uh, the muscle of the uterus. Yes, it is a muscle. And then we have my favorite category of herbs, which you will never ever find in Western medicine, the calm fetus category. Yes, there is such a thing as calming the fetus herbs. And they work brilliantly in the hands of a skilled practitioner, okay? And so if you've ever had a miscarriage or repeated miscarriage 
and you're terrified of that happening again and you've had this experience of you start to spot or your back cramps up and you call your OBGYN and they're like, well, just wait it out. Can't see you till eight weeks, which is really, really common, especially here where I live in Florida. Um, If you are already under the care of an acupuncturist herbalist, a lot of times they can give you a formula to prevent miscarriage Um, that will work unless it's DNA. Now, if there's something wrong with the DNA, which is common to have miscarriages show up at weeks five to six when that's the case, there's nothing that's going to keep that. The, the cells aren't dividing correctly. It's just, it's stopped growing. But if the underlying problem is more of deficiency, like you didn't stop working, you've been on your feet 40 to 60 hours a week and you're super stressed um, or some other underlying deficiency, There are herbs that we can safely give you and your baby to try and keep that fetus in place in the uterus. Um, Wang Chin, when there's a lot of heat, is a fabulous herb for that, along with Songji Shang, one of my favorites. But again, this is something that you really need a trained herbalist to do for you. And it's, it's helpful if you're already under their care before you get pregnant because they know what your underlying patterns are. They know where your body is prone to going out of balance and they can correct it swiftly. A lot of times with my patients, if there is a history of miscarriage, as soon as they get pregnant, I give them that formula. I say, you keep this on your, on your counter and if you have these symptoms, you use it. Nine times out of 10, they don't have to because we've gotten them to this place where they're super healthy and they can carry this pregnancy on their own without assistance. And and quite frankly, I don't like to give herbs during pregnancy unless I absolutely have to in a case like this or a quality of life issue, right? Like you can't keep any food down. Then I'll step in and give some herbs. Uh, But a lot of times just having that peace of mind that there's something there that could help you I think really does have a little bit of a placebo effect. However, I have seen when women spot through a pregnancy, I've seen this formula stop it. Um, And sometimes it's based on a formula, Bujong Ichi Tong, which lifts the chi if there's great spleen chi deficiency. But again, this is something that you really need a skilled herbalist um, to determine for you. So where do you find one, right? My favorite resource is aborm.org. So that's A B. ORM.org. And this stands for the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. And this is actually the group of which I am board certified through. And all of the acupuncturists that you find on here are not just acupuncturists, but they've taken the boards through the NCCAOM in herbalism. So they've shown proficiency in not just acupuncture, but herbalism as well. And then they can't even apply to take this board until they've been in practice for two years. And after that, they have to have 45 continuing education credits that are approved to deal with infertility, okay? So these men and women really know what they're doing when it comes to infertility and pregnancy. And there's a link to that in the show notes at ladypotions.com backslash episode three. You can also look on um, nccaom.org itself and you can that's the national accrediting association for acupuncturists and um, doctors of oriental medicine and then you can also find really skilled herbalists at the american 
AmericanHerbalistGuild.com. American Herbalist Guild has a lot of Western practitioners, but a lot of TCM practitioners as well. And they are really strict on their guidelines of giving somebody the credentials of RH. Now, perhaps you want to add needles to the mix and you're really interested in doing acupuncture and herbalism all at once, you would go to acufinder.com. Um, and then you just type in your zip code and how many miles, and it, it should give you some listings of practitioners in your area, um, along with links to their website so that you can check them out. And I would always ask, just call them up and ask, hey, how much infertility do you treat? What's your success rate? Are you comfortable treating me when I'm pregnant? Um, are you comfortable treating me postpartum? How comfortable are you with herbs? Do you use herbs in your practice? And then the other way is if you want to do a virtual herbal consult with me, you can do that by going to ladypotions.com and just scrolling down to the end of the homepage and looking for the book now button. And it'll take you through software for my practice here in Art of Acupuncture, but there will be a option to do a virtual consult. So one of the final questions I want to answer is, well, I have two. When should I avoid taking herbs? Okay, this is a big one. If you get sick, stop taking your herbs, okay? A lot of these herbs are tonifying. They're building the cells and the tissues of your body, getting, sending the message to every single cell in your body, build, let's grow life. Well, when you have a pathogen in your body, guess who's picking up that message as well? And, get, and then the fight gets stronger, so your symptoms get stronger, okay? So there are different herbs that you can be given when you get sick. You don't have to be set back all this time if you end up with a simple cold or flu. You simply need to call up your herbalist or your acupuncturist and say, hey, I have the crud that's going around. Here are my symptoms. Can you put up a formula that will nip this in the bud so I can get back on track with my fertility herbs, okay? And then the other reason would be if you're on IVF medications, unless this is something that's been discussed between your reproductive endocrinologist and your practitioner, or Here's a big one. If you think you're having an adverse reaction. Now, do they happen less than pharmaceuticals? Much less. Do they happen? Yes. And you know your body best, okay? I always say that to all my patients. I can give you a recommended dose, but you know what's working and what's not working. You know pretty much within a day or two, if you take this, if all of a sudden you've got headaches or diarrhea or bloating, or you want to claw somebody's face off and then you stop and those symptoms go away and then you try it again and they come back. You can be your own scientist and say, hey, I think we need to go back to the drawing board. I think we got this one wrong. Simply stop and call your practitioner if that's the case. All right. And now the last question, can herbs help my partner? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And in fact, a lot of times, this is the only way that I get to treat a male partner because they don't want to come in and do acupuncture, but they will allow their wife to give me their symptoms or they'll come in once and they'll do the intake and they'll let me look at their tongue and take their pulse or, or they'll send a picture of their tongue with their, with their partner. And then I can prescribe herbs based on an actual diagnosis, not just on a sperm analysis of, hey, we think this herb might help morphology or motility, which there are lots of studies out there to point us in the right direction of which herbs do that. 
but we want to really treat the whole person, right? We, we want to take everything into consideration. So if you're seeing somebody or you suspect that there is male factor infertility or a challenge there, or maybe it's not just you, then I encourage you to really get your partner checked out right from the get-go because it kind of sucks to spend a lot of time and money just beating yourself up thinking it's you when chances are it might be your partner or it might be both of you and nobody wants to play the blame game. So make it something fun. You know, understand that both of you are going to get healthier and happier through taking better care of your bodies, whether that's through changing lifestyle, acupuncture, herbalism, or combination of all three. And that being said, you're going to enjoy the process much, much more. For men, my standalone herb that I love, so they just won't do anything, but they'll let you make that green smoothie, drop some maca in there. It's great for libido. It's great for enhancing their yang chi. And yeah, certain phenotypes of maca can help for women, but I really, really like it for men. So at the very least, if that's all they'll let you do is make that green smoothie, but they're not taking anything else, try maca. All right, that's all I have for you today. Again, that was a glimpse of how I use herbs, when to use them, how to get them safely, where to find a practitioner. You can always find more information on my blog at ladypotions.com. And of course, you can find all of the links that we talked about in this episode at ladypotions.com backslash episode three. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Fertile Minds Radio, hosted at www.ladyportions.com, where you'll find past episodes, show notes, and free meditations. If you've benefited from what you've heard, leave a comment or review so it makes it easier for others to find this valuable wisdom. Let's help elevate each other. Thanks for listening.